Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Good. Did everyone have a good Christmas? Yes. I got a little bit spoiled. It was fun. Brian got me a, a KitchenAid mixer. Yep, I finally took it out of the box yesterday, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> but it's, it's going to be fun. Breads and muffins and cookies. It says it makes nine dozen cookies. What do you do with nine dozen cookies? Eat them. Eat them. Freeze them. <laughs> you guys have such great ideas. Oh, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> Um, I thought it was interesting, the, the songs that we sang this morning all had something to do with our heart, and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today. So uh, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in the room, that you've already come with your presence and your fire. Father, I just pray that you anoint the words of my mouth, that when I speak, your grace would be released, that your truth be, would be released and people would hear what it is they need to hear today from your heart. Amen. Okay, so like always, I hope you guys have your Bibles because we're going to go through a lot today. Um, So I hope it's okay to talk about a few different Bible stories in one message. I was having a bit of a hard time because I'm like, I think I have like five different topics in one message and I don't know if it's okay, but we're going to, we're going to do it. Okay. (laughs) So, um, you know, first I started to think about, you know, Joseph Um, And then I thought about other great stories like David and Goliath, Daniel in the lion's den, Mordecai and Haman, and Cain and Abel. Um, Jeff has actually been speaking a lot about this too in the last couple Sundays, so I think you guys are somewhat well-versed in these stories again. But what is it that these all have in common? Somebody was jealous of somebody, right? Right? And their hearts got hard, and they actually listened to the voice of fear and jealousy, and they acted on it. But what they didn't plan on was God being on the other guy's side. Right? So it never really worked out for them. (laughs) Uh, So if you guys ever scrolled through your Instagram feed or Facebook, and you find your heart kind of comparing, or you feel a little bit jealous, um, you're looking at pictures, and you're like, oh... I want that or because it's, it's everybody's highlight reel, right? Like when we, we went out to Fort Steele uh, a couple days ago and I know lots of people saw it. They're like, Oh, did you guys have a good time? And you know, I posted all of our highlight pictures. Like everybody's having fun. What I didn't post was the meltdowns that the kids had before we went. Right. <laughs> That's why we went because uh, they needed to get out of the house. Um, you know, and it's tough sometimes to be aware of where our hearts go when we're scrolling because they can be subtle or they can be like, you know, a big, huge beacon highlighting. Um, you, you know, me, for me personally, I've actually had to unfollow some people because I couldn't handle it. I had to get my heart realigned and fix it up before I could, before I could keep looking. So, um, you know, we all have our own train of thoughts that lead to somewhere. And if we're not aware of where they take us, then it can cause a lot of harm in our hearts. Okay, so with that, let's go into Joseph. Do we all know Joseph and the coat of many colors? That's kind of mostly how we know about him. But let's go to Genesis 37, okay? So just to give you a quick recap, 
We'll let you go there. So he's 17 years old. Uh, he's watching the sheep with his brothers, and he goes and tells on them. So he gives a bad report to their dad. His brothers already don't like him uh, because their father Israel, who's otherwise known as Jacob, loved him more than any of his other sons because Joseph was born to their dad in his old age. And also their dad made them this, the coat of many colors. It's this richly ornamented robe that he made for them. So in Genesis 37, uh, 3 and 4, just to recap that. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So Joseph's already the favorite son, and his brothers are already jealous of him. And then he goes and has a couple dreams, which interpret to all of them bowing down to him. So how do you think that makes them feel? (laughs) A little bit fuel for their hatred fire, right? They don't like him even more now. Um, and then in verse 37, or sorry, chapter 37, 12. And now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. So he goes out and finds his brothers. Um, but when his brothers see him coming off in the distance, they're all sitting there plotting to kill him. They're like, oh, look, there he is. Let's kill this guy. Right? Who plots to kill their own brother? (sighs) Cain. Yeah, Yeah, right? (laughs) So they had some issues back then. (laughs) Uh, Their jealousy was strong enough that it caused them to want to kill him. So Reuben was the oldest brother, and... Um, he was able to convince the other brothers not to kill him. They were like, let's just throw him in a cistern because his intention was to actually go and rescue him later. Okay, but then his other brother, Judah, sees a caravan off in the distance. And he's like, let's sell him because that's better than killing him, right? So that's in um, verse 26, 27. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him after all. He is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So I guess it was better just to get rid of him and lie to their dad instead of killing him. Now they don't have their blood on his hands. Proverbs 3.29 tells us not to, says do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. But even though Joseph was sold into slavery... The Lord showed him kindness and granted him favor. So the Lord's favor was on him in everything that he did after that point. So yeah, he was sold into slavery, but God really took care of him. And that's what I meant at the beginning when all these guys that were jealous didn't really plan for God being on the side of of the guy that they were trying to get rid of. So how many of us have had family feuds? (laughs) Maybe a little bit of friend feuds, relationships. Has it been easier to talk to other family members about your pain than actually the person directly? I know sometimes that's the case for me. Um, has it been easier to make plans that exclude and harm? You know, I'm not saying we're, we're hanging out 
and plotting to kill our brothers, but the anger and jealousy in our hearts can twist our point of view so that we're actually talking about things that do that anyways. Um, It can cloud our love response and turn it into anger and hate. So I had a dream a few nights ago. It was very vivid. Um, I was in this city, almost like old Western days, where they had the platforms, but it was very modern as well, and there was a ton of stuff going on. And there was this huge wall of water that came up, almost like a tsunami wall of water, like it was like the size of a mountain. But it wasn't dangerous. Like nobody, I don't remember feeling like it was scary in the dream. And then there was this huge whale just protruding, like just kind of swimming out the middle of it. And it was so big, like nobody had ever seen a whale this big before. And so everyone's point of view was directed at this whale. And that's all that they were talking about and seeing, not realizing the massive wall of water that it was swimming in that was right at the edge of the city. (laughs) Um, So to me, that was like, okay, so what is distracting your point of view? Right? It can be much easier for us to pay attention to the distraction because it dominates that point of view. Right? That's all that's happening in front of us. And that's where everybody else is looking as well. And so we actually can fail to see like, what it's riding on. Um, jealousy creates bitterness in our hearts that lead to death. And so, you know, say if we were pointing at that and we don't see what's in behind it, that's actually still happening. And so we really need to be aware of the distractions that are coming up against us. Um, when God and I began to actually look at my heart after my first marriage ended, uh, one of the things that he showed me was my bitter heart. It was actually really disgusting. Um, I had a vision where my heart was black and it was melting like tar and it had fish hooks all over it. Isn't that nice? Like awesome. (laughs) So obviously I was in, you know, some serious need of healing and restoration, Um, so because God in his mercy, he knows exactly what we need when we need it. We had a good laugh session. It was the first time that I had actually had an encounter with God like that. And I ended up on the floor and I just laughed for hours with him. And Proverbs 17, 22 tells us that a cheerful heart is good medicine. And so because God knew exactly what I needed, when I needed it, that's what he gave me. You know, he waits for us to invite him into our process. And because he knows us so well that that's, that's exactly what he prescribed for the moment. Right? You know, he tells us, God tells us, he looks at our hearts. He doesn't look at our outward appearance. He knows what's going on inside of you. Okay, so now let's move on to David. David and Goliath. I love this guy. Um, especially when he's all, <laughs> there's this one scripture in there. I'll go, I'll read it later. But he says like, um, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares defy the armies of the living God? Like, I love that. Like, he's just this young boy that comes out and he's like, who is this guy? Right? So that makes me want to actually want to stand up and fight for something. You know, also, something you can learn from Wonder Woman as well. Just throw that in there. Who's seen Wonder Woman? Right? Yes, it is my favorite movie. <laughs> so there's this scene where um, they've just been attacked on their island, and she wants to go out and fight them. Because 
they're talking about war and her mom, the queen, is like, it's not our war. And she's like, it's our full ordinance as Amazons. This is our duty. I didn't know what ordinance means, so it means mandate. That's just one of the meanings in case you needed that. <laughs> um, and it's the same passion that David had when he declared, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? And these two had this conviction in their heart. Uh, in that moment, they made a life-altering decision to do what they were created for. And they did it by being who they were and what they had trained for their whole lives. Okay, sorry, there's a part here that I'm not going to go through. Our legacy in our lives, it's not really dependent on our careers, but the people that we impact day in and day out. Right? When your grandchildren and great-grandchildren are here, they're doing stuff, their habits, what they've learned is because it's something that you've passed down from generation to generation. It's something that you've carried in your lineage. And that's why we're all unique as people, as families. So where is your heart leading you? And is it being taken care of? You know, how often do you sit down and check yourself? It's probably not really advisable to have a, you know, an out loud conversation with yourself, but sometimes it's good, you know, like heart, how are you doing? You know, is there anything we need to work through? Um, you know, we can highlight areas that need healing or love or forgiveness, repentance. Maybe you need to go and talk to someone, right? Okay. So David, we're actually going to go through the story of David and Goliath. All right. So that is in 1 Samuel 16. Um, Just a quick recap of where it gets us up to David and Goliath in chapter 17. So Samuel anoints David as king. Uh, That's what's happening here. Samuel sets off to find Jesse of Bethlehem. And once he gets there, he finds Jesse. And his first impression of Jesse's sons is that it's got to be the oldest, Eliab. And you know why he thinks that? Because he is the oldest, and he's strong, and he's looking at his outward appearance, he's looking at his height, but God is like, do not consider his appearance for, or his height. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at, our, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So David is anointed king during the time that Saul is king. So Saul doesn't know that this has happened. Um, so God, and God has actually rejected Saul as king for disobeying him. Um, and because of that, now he's also being tormented by an evil spirit that's sent by God. So David, he ends up in the king's court playing the harp because when he plays the harp, it eases Saul's torture. And how he ends up there is because some of Saul's attendants, they're like, Hey, we know this guy, David. He plays the harp, and not only that, he's a brave warrior. He speaks well. He's fine-looking, and the Lord is with him. This part of the story is kind of fun because David is actually, he's just hanging out, watching the sheep, right? And he is being promoted when he's not even in the room because of what he's done in his life so far. These guys over here remember him. And they come to the king, and they're like, hey, there's a guy. He's pretty handsome, plays the harp. 
The Lord is with him. Right? And it's so interesting how they all look at their outward appearances. But because God was looking at his heart, he helped them to remember. So the Israelites and the Philistines are at war. So in 1 Samuel 17, we have the story of David and Goliath. Three of David's older brothers, they actually go with Saul off to war. And meanwhile, David actually went back and forth between Saul playing the harp to bring relief from the evil spirit and then back to his dad, Jesse, to go and be with the sheep. So he's going back and forth between the two. Okay, so let's read uh, chapter 17, uh, 4 through 11. Okay, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Can we just pause for a moment? Like, why does he need a shield bearer? He's nine feet tall. Anybody? Like, what is happening here? Is the shield bigger than this guy even? (laughs) Could you imagine him trying to carry it? Anyway. Okay, so in verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So Goliath is this huge, scary giant standing in front of the Philistine army saying, come and fight me. And at his words, the Israelites, they're dismayed and terrified. So just like the whale, you see Goliath. He's got the soldiers behind him. And you can imagine these soldiers in the Israelite army, they're not new to war. So they're used to fighting all these other guys. But their point of view was zeroed in on him. This big giant, this guy who's nine feet tall, and they allowed his voice to dismay and terrify them. So they lost heart and they forgot whose army they were really a part of. Goliath calls them the servants of Saul, even distracting them more. Right? They're not servants of Saul. They're soldiers in the army of the living God. Goliath does this to them for 40 days, morning and night. Morning and night. Isn't it just like fear to do that to us? Make us forget who we are so that we're paralyzed with fear and we actually don't see a way out? It gives us tunnel vision. Okay, so by this time, David's father, Jesse, decides to send him to go check on his sons. So his dad's like, pack up this food. I want you to go take it out to your brothers and then bring me a word back on how they're doing. Okay, so and we're still in chapter 17, and then verses 17 to 19. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David's not actually going out there to fight in the war. Uh, But he went to bring his brother's food and bring back a report to his dad. You know, much like Joseph was sent by his father to bring food and a word. 
Okay, so let's set up the battle scene for you. Anybody here ever watch a fight match? Yeah? You know where they kind of like set up the battle, or the two guys, and they have them do their weigh-in? They're like, this guy is, I don't know, I don't watch it, but he's like, 300 pounds, and he's won, I don't know, whatever, this many. And then you've got Goliath, this guy is nine feet tall. David is 17, and he's skinny, but he's handsome. Right? (laughs) So anyway, uh, (laughs) uh, so David's described as a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well, and he's fine looking, and the Lord is with him. And then Goliath even describes him only as a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despises him because of this. Okay, but listen, listen to how Goliath is described. So that's in um, verses 4 through 7. Oh, I already read that to you guys. All his armor and everything that he had, and so I'm not going to read it again. Okay, so, but David, he arrives on the scene, okay? It says that he actually runs up to the battle because they've already, the Israelites have already marched out to the battle lines. They're on the front, and David runs out there like, who does that? Uh, anyway, he was a brave boy. So, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, sorry. That's in verse uh, 20 to 26. I actually do want to read that one to you. So early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up and sent out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So it goes on in verse 28 where Eliab, David's oldest brother, hears him asking what he's going to get. And he's mad. Like, he's like, what is my little brother doing here? Right? So, and he's burning with anger, and he, and he accuses him, saying, I know how conceited you are, how, how wicked your heart is. Right? So he's allowed that jealousy and that anger in his heart to twist his point of view and respond to his brother with that instead of in love. Right? And he wasn't like, hey, little brother. Yes. Let me support you. How can I help you? I get, you know, it it was probably hard for him. You know, he was the oldest brother. He was already rejected by God as king. Um, He's not brave enough to fight Goliath. He's on the battle lines. And his little brother comes out and wants to know what he's going to get if he wins. Right? Right? So he's got some things to work out. <laughs> anger is a byproduct of something else going on in your heart. For Iliad, let's coin this jealousy. And it came out as anger and accusations against his brother. So instead of supporting David, being his friend, he allows his heart to be consumed with anger and accuses David. Okay, so it's reported back to Saul that David's out there asking what he's going to get. 
And so Saul sends for him. Okay, in, in verse 31 to 37. Um, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. Again, Saul's looking at his outward appearance. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant was killed. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Hmm. It's so easy for us to get caught up in our outward appearances. Even Saul was all, you can't go and fight him. Look how little you are. So it's encouraging to know that God tells us he looks at our hearts. And David didn't just show up untrained for this moment. Right? It may look like he was the youngest son. He just ran out to the battlefield bringing food. But it wasn't something new to him. David was used to this type of battle. The lion versus the sheep. The bear versus the sheep. The giant versus the soldiers. It's just a little bit bigger. Maybe. I mean, the lion and the bear, they had claws. Right? (laughs) He didn't tremble at fear because of this enemy. Knowing this giant was a Philistine defying the army of the living God was enough for him to know that he could fight. The Lord who delivered, he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So there's times when we're promoted in life because of our integrity and how we live life and people, they see that and they talk, right? In the same way that David was able to get into the king's court by playing the harp. So just how Saul's assistant spoke about David to get him in as the heart player. But there's other times when we actually know what's right and what we have to do. Um, but we have to advocate for ourselves in advance of that. I was thinking kind of like how we give out a resume. <laughs> um, when David volunteered for the battle, he had to recount his victories to the king so that the king would release him to go and fight. The king wasn't just going to let him go. So in verse 38 to 40, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch, of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. To me, this is such a beautiful picture of identity. Saul tries to put David in his own armor so he can go and fight the battle. But David couldn't even walk, and so he knew that he had to leave it behind and go with what he was used to, what he trained with, what he knew, his slingshot. 
And when we look around at other people's successes and try to do it their way, we compare ourselves and try to fit another person's mold. And we sell ourselves short because we're not being true to our own identity. You know, we, we may have to head out to a battle that we would have been equipped to win as ourselves, but not with the cloak of jealousy. Comparison or trying to find or fit a mold that we're not actually meant for. And I think it's actually also important, even as parents or leaders, to realize if we're trying to put our own armor or our own way of doing things onto people that we're trying to lead or parent. Right? When we look around at other successes and try, try to do life their way or even with what other people try to do, it can hinder our outcome. But taking off their identity, the spirit of comparison and jealousy, or taking those off, we can live authentically as ourselves. So it's who you are and in your history of victories with God that you can go out every day and make an impact. Um, and even with that, that's when you're moved into your promotion. So, and to keep your forward momentum, you have to keep being you, who you are, how you are, and not someone else. Okay, we're going to go to the battle scene. Verse 41 to 52. So, meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ready and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. I love this. They're about to go head to head in like a, in a, in a voice battle here. This is why we declare. Listen to this. Come here, he said, and I'll give, you fle- I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David says to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then... The men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the the Sharim road to Gath and Ekron. I love that. How many of you go out to do what you have to do and you're like, I'm going to cut off your head, right? 
Just declaring it out before you go and get it done. Like declare over your day. <laughs> Probably not they're going to cut it for that. But maybe to the enemy, right? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and Goliath really wanted a fight. He really wanted to fight. He taunted them day in and day out for 40 days. And so when this little boy comes up to him, he's like, come on. Right? And so he's totally caught off guard. He doesn't even expect to die or even to have somewhat of a fight. Um, so <laughs> in the face of the battle, though, Goliath got louder. Did you notice that? Like, he also taunted David. So do you find that when you're about to go and do something, that voice of fear gets a little bit louder? Right? It's trying to scare you away. David knew he was going to be the winner before even going into battle. That's what I think. That's my point of view. So he knew this, though, based on whose army he was a part of. He's a soldier in the army of the living God. The Philistines were defying this army, and that God was with him like he was with him with the lion and the bear, and the battle was the Lord's. Also, he had a bit of a wild card. He was anointed king, so probably he wasn't going to die yet, right? He hadn't become king yet. Just kind of riding on that, maybe. (laughs) I was just trying to think of all these reasons. I'm like, why would he be so brave to know that he could just go up against this giant and not be afraid to die, right? So those are some pretty good reasons. You know, there's a lot of Bible stories um, that tell us about people being jealous and the lengths that they actually went through to have the person taken care of. Uh, David with his brothers, Joseph with his brothers selling him, the prodigal son and his brother being mad about the dad giving him a party after he squandered everything. You have Daniel in the lion's den and all the administrators and satraps tried to frame him because they were mad, but they actually couldn't find any wicked way, so they had to do it against um, his God, and they tricked the king into believing this. There's Cain and Abel, right? So there are a lot of stories where people are getting upset about what's going on with somebody else's life. And the jealous heart that plots you, or plots you, (laughs) uh, takes your heart on a bit of a journey where you're plotting to, to do some stuff or to think certain ways, right? So, it's December 30th today. We're about to go into 2019. So I thought it would be good for us to examine our hearts. You know, is there a distraction in front of you? Is it causing you to fear or compare or be jealous of someone or something? You know, is the voice so loud that you're not able to shut it down, and you need somebody to come alongside and pray with you? Does your identity need realignment with a father so that you're not taking on somebody else's mold or you're not so easily allowing somebody to put their stuff on you? Do you actually need to forgive or repent of something? God has really big plans for us in 2019. You know, we have a house that's full of brothers and sisters, our families, And what you do every day is your legacy. So let's be a people that are known for saying the Lord is with me. The same way that he was with me with the lion and the bear. He's going to be with me in what I'm facing today.
that's all I have. So I think we should, we should do that. Let's just take some time and uh, just go before the Lord. Um, and, and ask him. Okay, let's close our eyes. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here with us this morning. I thank you that you have been depositing truth throughout this message, that you've been highlighting things in our hearts that we need to bring before your throne, and that you are faithful and just, that you're merciful. If we need to laugh with you, if we need to cry with you, if we need somebody to come alongside us and help support us, Father, I just thank you for shedding your light on all of those things. And Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come. Come right now into the room. Yeah, thank you, God. I just pray that as people are looking into their hearts, that we would go into the next year as whole. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come, come into the room, let your presence fall, come with the searchlight, Holy Spirit, come search our hearts, we see you, God, we're here at your feet. Come renew our hearts as we come. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. Yeah, come, God. Thank you, Jesus. I just bless this body. I bless you with hope into the new year. I bless you with wholeness. I bless you with hearing God's voice clearer than you have ever heard before. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of His presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.